0: Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we are, and uh, as you notice, we're moving through kind of slowly now. We've kind of come almost to a verse-by-verse discussion of of different topics, uh, lying we dealt with, and hatred, and and, uh, anger, and uh, Now we come to stealing uh, this morning. And uh, so the cure for that, as we'll see, is work. And uh, work is a good thing. We need to remember that. But anyway, Paul begins in verse 25, giving us the principles of the new life we have in Christ. And what does the Christian walking worthily do? look like because we're all walking are we walking worthily and uh, we need to examine our lives as I've already pointed out uh, are we examining our lives Uh, Paul is dealing with the commandments here and uh, for the most part and the importance of obeying God not for salvation but because we are saved, and we are uh, His child. He, We're born again. We'll be given a new life in Him, and we have His Holy Spirit to empower us and so forth. And uh, He is giving us the Holy Spirit, the ability and the power uh, and the motivation to live the life of the new man. So give glory to Him. Give glory to Him. Just, you know... Uh, don't ever say, well, I did that right. Just say, thank you, Lord, for working in me. Hallelujah. Both to willing to do of your good pleasure. We shouldn't take credit for anything. Because people, uh, and, and Ben was talking about that this morning before the service. In, in, uh, uh, <laughs> my, my children, people say, boy, you have such wonderful kids. And all I can say is by the grace of God. It wasn't me because, boy, if, if it was me, it's just no telling how they would have turned out. But it's not me. It's the grace of God. And we need to give thanks and praise to God for what what is happening and what God is doing. And, and, and uh, we fail him, but he never fails us. And so Paul, though, it just deals with issues in our lives, issues that we struggle with. And we're going to see that. Verse 28 of Ephesians 4, I won't read the whole passage because of time's sake in chapter 4. But he says in verse 28, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Wow, there's a lot here that we're going to try to uncover this morning, and so you bear with me as we deal with this topic of stealing. Uh, Paul says, "Don't steal any more in all of its forms. We're to put away once and for all stealing, and of course that's true of all of this. We fail, we." Uh, we know we do, but nonetheless, we have uh, an admonition here from the Lord and from Paul, whom God spoke through and inspired to write this down, that, uh, that's for us. And I want to talk about three principles uh, overall that, that comes out in this passage, first of all. Three truths, I think, that is not just for this verse, but really for all of Ephesians. And I just want it's kind of a review in the sense of we need to keep this in mind as we're going through uh, this passage. And, and first of all, remember, the gospel is not for good people. Did you hear that? <clears throat> the gospel is not for good people. The gospel is for sinners. Changed people, yes. Born again, yes. New creatures in Christ, yes, etc. But Paul mentioning, I think, all of these sins shows that these Christians in Ephesus are still sinners. They're still uh, fighting the good fight. And we know that uh, when we're born again, uh, uh, we now love God. We don't do that perfectly, though, but we always want to remember how we got there. Uh, how did we get to this position? it's God demonstrate His own love for us in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's not when we were good, when we were good enough, uh, when we did enough. No, but while we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us, and we're still sinners. That's the point. We're still sinners. And uh, uh, Jesus said in uh, Matthew uh, nine twelve. 12, and my clicker is not clicking. There it is. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the he- healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Did healthy people come to you? (laughs) Dr. Brown, no. It was a sick that came. And we're all sick. Do we believe that? Are we coming to him, the great physician, for healing? Because it shows a lot about your heart uh, just in this one area. Uh, We're we're sick, Paul says. We we, uh, still wrestle with uh, the sins in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians, uh, well, maybe I skipped. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul says that uh, such were some of you, he says. You, you were living in sin, uh, you were not good people. You were not good people. And uh, all these blessings that we have have been bestowed on us because we were good. Is that right? No, these blessings that we have in Christ have been bestowed on us who didn't deserve it. And still don't deserve it. See, I think sometimes, thank you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now what he's saying here, those people where sin is dominating their lives, who have not been changed, who are not struggling, he says, do not be deceived. Neither the homosexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, And then he says, nor thieves, and that's what we're talking about this morning, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. See, we're new creatures in Christ now, but we still struggle with stealing. And we're going to talk about that uh, because, again, uh, we have to be careful that we do not become like uh, the Pharisees who were self-righteous and think we have arrived and that we don't struggle. We do struggle, and you know you do. So the church here is for sinners. Aren't you thankful for that? It's not for perfect people. It's for sinners. Uh, It's the hospital where we come to the great physician, to be fixed, not because we are fixed, not because we're self-righteous. Uh, we know we're bankrupt. You know, there's a <clears throat> an old kid's rhyme, I, and it's funny how you remember these things, and I think I've used it years ago, but it says that Humpty Dumpty, who was an egg, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And of course we know what happens when an egg shatters in so many pieces. You can't be put back together. But you know what? Jesus has done that for us. He has restored us. But you know what? We still have cracks. We we still have... Not a perfect egg except in his righteousness we're perfect and we know in in uh Hebrews chapter ten it talks about that we're perfect in our standing before God, but we are still <clears throat> full of cracks that need to uh to be healed and in in uh and the second thing we see as transforming as conversion is, it does not make us sinless. We have been given a new heart. We love spiritual things. The things that we uh, uh, hated, we now love. Uh, But if we become sinless Christians at conversion, who never hated, who never stole, then why does Paul need to address this, this issue here. He's addressing it because they're still sinning. And they had to be told what uh, is the way to walk worthily. And I think it's obvious that Christians still sin. You know, the world looks upon us, and uh, they, they expect, I guess, perfection when you become a Christian, that you don't have problems anymore. Uh, but we do. And we're not a perfect life. We come here because we're imperfect, not because we're perfect in all of our... uh, You come to hear the Word of God preached. Why? Because you need fixing. And I'm preaching to myself. We all need to be fixed. And uh, so let me just say this. If you don't know that you're a sinner, you're probably not a Christian. If you're so self righteous that you don't think you sin anymore, then you're probably not a christian and first john uh, <laughs> back now this it's okay thank you yes first John one eight I don't know what happened, but like i said <laughs> I have problems with clickers. Anyway, 1 John 1, uh, verse 8 through chapter 2, verse 2 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make out him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, and so here he's saying we do sin, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We can come with our sin to Christ, who is our intercessor, and he hears us as we cry out to him, "Do we do that do we do we really confess our sins to God when we sin? do we say wow i I hurt my wife or I did this or I did that, Lord, please forgive me do we really do we really?" Is it really part of our life? Is repentance a part of our life? Confession part of our life? Uh, Because I think you will find sin in the life of a new convert. I don't think any of us would deny that. Uh, What are you looking for when someone makes a profession of faith in Christ? Are you looking for perfection at a new convert? Are you expecting that they will not sin, that they will not hurt you? Uh, I think we should be looking for something. I think that's the presence of grace in their life. In the midst of their sin, there's grace. What do I mean by that? They appreciate uh, God's word. They're thankful for his word. Uh, they have a newfound trust in Christ. There's a new brokenness over sin. A newfound love for the brethren. This is what's going to appear, I think, in a new convert's life. But the other things are not immediately seen. And so Paul is dealing here with these Christians, many of them young in the faith, and he's instructing them on what uh, a Christian really should look like, that they should examine their life. And uh, because we all have... And we all have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, Galatians 5.22, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when we're born again, we receive these fruit of the Spirit, but they're not completely developed yet. In other words, our love for Christ and one another can grow. Our joy can grow. And uh, so Paul is telling them, uh, you uh, uh, have been changed. You have these fruit, but uh, uh, some Christians may struggle with certain sins, and other Christians may not have problem with bad language, for instance. Now, growing up, I had terrible bad language. It was just the teenage thing to do, or what have you. And so, when I first became a Christian. Getting rid of that was really difficult. I found myself struggling. And uh, when I would hit my thumb with a hammer, words would come out that were not supposed to be there. Right? And matter of fact, I still can do that. And I still find myself doing it. I remember one time my mother, I was out there working in the shop, and, and I just finished this table. Finished it, and it was beautiful, I thought, and everything was, and then I put my spray gun up on the nail, and the bucket fell off and hit the top of that table. Now, I want to tell you what I said, but it wasn't nice. Well, my mother had just opened the door to the shop to come tell me something. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so, yes, we, we, it's still there. It's still there. And uh, sometimes it, it comes out. But uh, I remember how embarrassed I was and how I apologized. And, and, uh, but you know what? I was struggling. I was struggling with that. The key is, are you struggling? Amen. Are you struggling? We will be struggling to the day we die. I think the fact that we struggle It shows that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think no struggle, no life. No struggle, no life. Third place, where there is no transforming going on, there has been no conversion. There has been no regeneration. Um, If you can continue in your sin, and there's no struggle, no conviction, then have you been transformed by the Holy Spirit? Have you been regenerated? I want to talk about three things uh, that apply uh, to everything from from now on. And uh, I, I tried to do that here in these three things but I think as we go through ask yourself these questions as we go through uh, on all of the matters in the, in the book of Ephesians but I want to talk about three things from this verse now verse 28 uh, Paul is saying here in verse 28 whereas one time stealing was a part of your lifestyle now you are to hate it Loathe it, turn from it. Let the th- thief steal no longer, he says. Now, this is going to be kind of uh, interesting because I'm going to mention all the ways or a lot of the ways that we can steal. Are you ready? You know, it's not a short list. Something for all of us... Uh, to think about. Some of these won't stick to you. Uh, But back in this day, in the Greek culture, those that could steal and get away with it and were really good at it were actually admired. I think that goes on some today, too. There's robbery, larceny, hijacking. Hijacking a conversation, by the way, is still hijacking. Shoplifting, pick, pickpockets, purse snatching, embezzlement, extortion, bribery, racketeering, pilfering, falsifying taxes or resumes. Should I go on? Okay. Calling in sick when you're not really sick. Padding your time card. Wasting your employer's hours. Not putting in a full day's work. Remaining silent when the cashier gives you too much change. Insurance fraud. Making false claims. Welfare fraud. Price gouging. False advertising. Plagiarism. Using deception or gimmicks to get someone to buy something that they really don't need. Mooching off for others when you can work. Playing a few extra holes of golf without paying for it, not returning something that was borrowed, robbing God of offerings, etc. You want some more? I think that's enough. There are more. Maybe you had one of these stick to you. Do we hate it? Five reasons. We're to put away stealing. And I think we can get that from this. Because, first of all, God said it. One of the reasons to put away stealing is God said so. God, speaking through Paul to write this down, inspired by God, says, Thief, steal no more. Thou shalt not. Also, secondly, stealing hurts your neighbor. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Ask yourself, would I want my neighbor to do this to me? Let's say you find a man's wallet on the street and you open it up and it has $1,000 and $100 bills in that wallet. And the man's identification is there with his address. Now, I'm not talking about finding a $100 bill blowing along the side of the road or something. No. Are you going to call him? You're going to say, well, he, he was dumb to drop this or to lose it. It's his fault. I found it. It's mine. You see, we have to, we have to uh, think about our neighbor. Would we want our neighbor to treat us? Am I loving my neighbor as I would want them to love me? Also, thirdly, stealing is a misuse of your God-given abilities. Notice Paul says. Work with your own hands. Use your ability to the glory of God for the good of your neighbor. Also, fourthly, stealing is selfish and self centered. The thief's attitude is how does this help me? When somebody breaks into the store and runs in there and steals all of this stuff, who are they thinking about? Certainly not their neighbor, they're thinking about themselves. How is this going to help me? Stealing is, I think, at the root of all stealing is laziness. The second point, though, that I want to talk about is there must be an uncompromising activity. And what is that activity? Work. Work. If you're able to work, work. Get a job. Reminds me of a, a show I watched years ago. It's the, the Doby Gillis show, and there was a beatnik on there, Maynard G. Krabs. And whenever Doby would say, get a, get a job or go to work, he would say, what? And he would, like, you know, that's just not part of my vocabulary. And so, is it part of ours? Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, to do what? Work. His work's not sinful. That's what God put him in the garden to do, was to work and take care of it. And this is before the fall, by the way. After the fall, it says, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, what's that, work, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and, will, uh, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, which is what, work, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Work. Uh, Paul doesn't say here, wait till you get motivated. Or, wait till you uh, your bank account gets so low that you have to. Sometimes that does happen, though. Uh, no, man was made to work, to do something with our time. By the way, is your goal in life <clears throat> to get a great big nest egg so you don't have to work? So you can do nothing for the rest of your life. You know, I think that's an American thought. I don't think that's a biblical thought at all. Stealing, I think, is the, the effect of idleness. Too many people today are idle in their stealing. Because work is a blessing. I think work honors God. By the way, God worked, did he not? Six days he created. He didn't get tired like we do, but he nonetheless worked and rested on the seventh day. So, imagine if everyone quit working. I've told this, ask, you know, people, I think I'll just stop working. I'm tired of paying taxes. Uh, the government gets it all anyway. Let's just all quit. And let's. You know, that could be your attitude. No, God says work. What does is, what is Paul say? Three things about work. It ought to be work. That's the first thing. Uh, What is at the root of the thief's mindset? And I'm going to expand on this laziness uh, that he has. The desire to avoid honest work. To have without effort. The thief wants the maximum, but to do the minimum. He finds no pleasure in honest work and labor. He tries to avoid it like Maynard G. Krebs, to get something for nothing. Gambling is an example of seeking to get something for nothing. You're out there to become a millionaire. Why? Why? Is it to help others? Are you going to take that millions of dollars and spend it on yourself? The worth the work ethic is God created man to be a worker. Work is not part of the curse. Remember that. We're made in his image. <clears throat> Let me ask you this, how much of the world's mentality have you soaked up? The world's thinking. Not biblical thinking, but the world's thinking. You know, my dad was a doctor and retired in, in ninety one, but he worked harder after he retired than he did when he was a doctor. What I, and I mean by that is he bush hogged, he chainsawed, he opened an antique shop and, and et cetera, et cetera, wrote a book. And that, that work can look like uh different things, but The world's idea of happiness is getting a whole bunch of stuff so you can sit back and do nothing the rest of your life. I don't find that in Scripture at all. I do not find retirement as we know it in Scripture. God says work, and He doesn't say work till you're 65. He doesn't say work till you're whatever. No, He says work, and you keep working. That's why I said, oh, I'm going to die preaching may not be in this church, but I am going to preach till I die. You're to be a witness till you die, not till you reach retirement age. And it's so sad today that uh, that's in so many Christians' minds. Uh, this, is a, uh, this word here for work is a very uh, strong word. It means real work. <clears throat> it's a, it's a, it means labor unto weariness. You're kidding. Nope. You labor unto weariness, to fatigue. He is saying, do your work well and work hard. Work hard. Hard worker. How do you feel at the end of the day? Tired. Let me just say, good. You're worn out. Good. That means you put in a good day's work. Whatever you find to do, you're to do with all your might. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it. That can be anything, by the way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working what? For the Lord. Everybody can work for the Lord if they collect garbage or rake leaves or dig ditches, uh, you can do it as unto the Lord. He's not talking about here, just preachers. You're doing it for the Lord, not for human masters, and then work for His glory. So whatever you, uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. First Corinthians 10:31. It ought to be honest work too. The word here is Agathos means morally good. It means morally good. A Christian is not to have a job that will jeopardize his spiritual health. He shouldn't choose a job that will harm his neighbor. Uh, uh, he should not take a job where he's asked to uh, go against God's law. And then last point that we have. Uh, the third main point is it ought to be done with an unselfish aim for unselfish ends. Did you notice how he ended the idea of work? Most people work so they can get, so they can hoard. I know a lady, and it's so sad, she is a millionaire, millionaire, has never done anything with that money, as far as I know, except hoard it. She'll go to uh, a place where f- food is being served and make sure she takes home a whole big amount so she won't have to spend any money. I mean, it's it's sad to see people like that that are so self-centered. And and, and it's all about them. And Paul is saying here, it's nothing wrong with making money. Don't miss it. If, like I've said before, if, if you have a problem with it, I can solve your problem, okay? No, it's not, it's not the money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money, where it makes becomes your God, where you're living for it. That you want to, ri- you want to get rich so you can be rich. No, Paul says that's not what it's all about at all. Uh, we're to do it for His glory, without unselfish ends. So he, what does Paul say? So he can share with anyone in need. Whoa. So you can share? Oh No, I don't. No, who wants to do that? I want to die with $10 million in the bank. Why? And we'll always use, well, I'm leaving it to my kids, which is a good thing because the Bible does talk about inheritance and you know. Something for us just to think about in this area of stealing and not to say, I don't steal. Oh, you don't? Well, then you need to look deeper. The motive for gaining is giving. I found that quote. I love that. The motive for uh, gaining is giving. Why should we want to gain? So we can give. We should look out for the needs of others. Somebody put it on a, on, a, on a line where you have zero and you have negative numbers and positive numbers. He said the thief is a parasite. He's on the negative side. Then you have those who are zeros. They get it for themselves. But then you have on the positive side those that work hard to give. And I thought that's pretty, pretty well said. You can either be a parasite You can be somebody who works hard, which is good, but Paul says that's not enough. You're a zero. If you're just getting it for yourself, you're a zero. You become a Christian, positive Christian, when you give. Wow. He doesn't mix words here. Uh, The aim of the Christian is not just mere self-support to put bread on your own table, and we are to do that, by the way. But especially, we're to do for others. And as Paul said, especially for those of the household of faith. An offering, an offering to the needy. And we do that through giving to the church and other people, and, and we do that, and I'm not throwing stones here, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you experience that in your life? No. If you're a Christian, you do. It is more blessed to give. You know, Paul, in the, in the book of Acts, he is addressing the elders at Ephesus. And this is what, uh, you can go over and read that. It's a, it's a lot that he says But he says also in Acts 20, verses 33 through 35, and this will be done. Paul says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine, and again, he's talking about work. He says that in the book. Have supplied my own needs and the needs of what? My companions. Paul wasn't just storing it up. No, he was getting it. He had a, uh, a job, a tip maker, but it was for the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of what? Hard work. We must help the what? The weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's no greater joy I don't think, than helping somebody in real need. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's more joy in it. Uh, There's more blessing in it. And yet because we're sinful Paul has to say to us, you who stole steal no more. Think of others. Let's pray. Father we thank you this morning again for your word and how convicting it is and all the ways that we can steal. Lord, I don't believe there's anyone here that would go to a bank and, and pull a gun on the teller and, and ask for money. But Lord, we can steal in so many other ways. And one of the ways is not to help others. Not to reach out to those in need, as Paul did. Lord, help us to see that this is a practical uh, truth from your word something that will show people that we're walking worthy of the calling for which we've been called and give us grace to do this Lord I know I struggle in this area I, I confess God I would pray Father if there's anything in someone's life here this morning who needs to be uh, to confess it that you would give them grace to do that And to stop doing that and to to turn and find real joy and peace in serving you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name and for His sake. Amen.